Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Welcome to the pod today. Um, If you're new here and you want to learn more about us, you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com for things, for for things, for links to everything (laughs) we mention on the show. You can find us on Instagram at forever35podcast, and you can also join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. And you can shop our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35. We have a newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And you can call or text us at 781-591-0390 and email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. You know, I recommended my favorite sweatpants in a recent newsletter, and I'm very curious if anybody purchased them. Kate, I have not purchased them. I mean, this wasn't Full like disclosure. me trying to get you to purchase them. <laughs> But I feel like I have been had been searching for sweatpants for so long. Yes. And buying yes, yes. like these fancy Instagram advertised sweatpants when all I needed was the men's fruit of the loom sweatpants all you in needed my life. Was fruit of the loom. Do you remember those commercials when we were kids where it was like a person dressed up as a big pile of fruit for fruit yes, of the loom? Yes, do those, does I that do. ring a bell? I do, Kate. I do remember that. I was also thinking, like, <clears throat> you're very tall, so it must be hard to find, I mean, any pants, but sweatpants that fit you. Well, you shared recently a Target sweat outfit that you loved and purchased, and it looks sure fantastic did. on you. It would it would not fall the same way on my body, on my very right. long legs. It would, right. it would look, it would be a different look. It would be a different yeah. look. Not necessarily a bad look, but just different. Well, I do appreciate stores that sell tall sizing. Yes. And there's more and more of them, I I find. Um, But yeah, I often dip into men's because, you know, gender is a construct and I don't really give a shit who my sweatpants are intended for. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah. Who knew sweatpants could fire me up? (laughs) Well, look, a good pair of sweatpants are worth their weight in gold. Dory, you know, I think today's episode, we can just really hop into our Let's conversation. Let's hop in. Because, you know, it's, what, one of my favorite things about getting to host Forever 35 is when folks reach out to us passionately suggesting a guest and we've already booked the guest. Totally. And that has been happening a lot over the last couple of months. Um, people have been reaching out. And voicing their love for a one Casey Davis. Ugh. And I have just had to bite back a smile every time we get those texts and emails and voicemails oh, about the impact a one Casey Davis has had on your life because she's our guest today on yes. Forever 35. Yes, yes, yes. Ugh. So uh, look. I'm not sure when she first came into my life. I think on TikTok or on Instagram. Um, and 
you probably have seen her there. She is known for her compassionate and practical approach to self and home care for those dealing with mental health, physical illness, and hard seasons of life. She's got over a million followers on social media and grew that community in less than a year. Amazing. And she is especially beloved by us neurodivergent folks, I think, uh, as a person who really talks a lot about systems and other ways of quote being organized while also having ADHD, which has been very, she's been a very helpful follow for my brain, but she's not just for us. She's been helpful for so many people. Her book, which is called how to keep house while drowning has sold over 70,000 copies. Amazing. It's an Amazon bestseller. I mean, goodness gracious. She was, she was really great to talk to. Um, and I feel like, shed some interesting light on my own dynamic in my own house in a way Mm. that I hadn't thought about. So I was grateful for that. Yeah, I, I really like her book. Um, And I would definitely recommend it if you haven't picked it up. One of the things I like about it is that it's the chapters are very short, which is intentional. Um. And I have found her way of thinking, not just about the systems that you implement in terms of like keeping house, yeah, um, but also the emotions that we bring to it, and also and the, the way in the which judgments. we think of ourselves. Yes, yeah. the judgment, Dory. The judgment. Because you and I have both grappled with that mm-hmm. when it comes to ourselves. Definitely, I think. definitely. Um. So I think we are just going to hop right into our conversation with Casey Davis. A few more things about Casey before we get started. Um, In her bio, she notes that she began her therapy journey at 16 when she entered treatment for drug addiction and mental health issues. And after getting sober, she became a speaker and advocate for mental health and recovery. Professionally, she has worked most of her career in the field of addiction and roles such as therapist, consultant, and executive director. And she lives in Houston, Texas with her husband and two daughters. And we're thrilled to have her on the pod today. Well, Casey, welcome to Forever 35. This is a real dream come true for us. We're, we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. We know our listeners are going to be really excited. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I'm so glad to be here. Well, hopefully you will enjoy the fact that we like to kick every episode off asking our guests what a self-care practice is in their own life. And hilariously, you describe your podcast, your own podcast uh, is a podcast about self-care, but you also, you know, say you hate the term for self-care. So with that in mind, we don't have to call it self-care, but a routine or a practice (laughs) that you have, and you have shared so many of them. Um, but what is one that you have now in your day-to-day life that that brings you joy? So, okay, this is a hard question, right? Because I feel like I have like a bazillion methods and practices and like examples I could give. But I think mm-hmm. if I really were to think about like a piece that like runs through all of them, I think it's been like learning to treat myself with tenderness. And like, sometimes that manifests in doing something, right? So sometimes that manifests in, you know, I'm going to let myself rest today. Or you know what, I'm going to go I mean, and sometimes it's even like the stereotypical stuff, like I'm going to go, you know, get my hair cute, cut, like, whatever. But it's like more powerful, even in the moments where like, I've just like screamed at my children. Mm. or I'm super stressed out and I don't have time or I just um, I've got an like an alphabet soup of learning disabilities. And so I frequently transpose numbers. Mm. So the amount of times that I've missed like a really important meeting um, is like embarrassing. And in those moments from like years and years and years, it took me to get here of like learning to treat myself the way that like I would respond to my five-year-old when she feels like crushed at having made a mistake Mm. and to just be tender with myself. And that, that is like probably the most powerful like self-care practice that I do. 
is when I can manage it. Um, like tell myself that I don't have to atone for my mistakes by like punishing myself or hating myself or feeling bad about myself and like recognizing that all of those feelings of self-loathing and shame are not required in order to feel motivated to make changes to do something different. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Did you just say self-loathing and shame? Because those are two people I live with that I'm trying to um, get to move out of my brain. Uh, Go ahead, Dorothy. Well, I was just going to ask, is that something that you also ever do like retroactively? Because Mm. I find that kind of thinking about my past self and trying to have empathy for that person and that person's actions that maybe at the time I was so judgmental about and so hard on myself, like that's been kind of a good but hard practice for me. So I'm wondering if that is something that kind of also resonates with you. Gosh, um, I don't know if you can see, but that I, for some reason that made me start crying <laughs> because the answer is yes. Um, like I frequently think of like 16 year old me when she was like being checked into the psych ward and like taken to inpatient treatment. And I think it's really meaningful because I was not the kind of like broken kid that you felt very sorry for. Mm. Like, cause I was kind of an asshole. Um, like I did things that were not kind and I was obnoxious and I was egotistical and I was all these things. Um, so to look back on her and think like you really deserved tenderness. Yeah. Is really powerful. Yeah. I mean, you have the word gentle a lot. I mean, I think you use it a lot, but in your book it comes up a lot and and that word has been very powerful for me. And I think it kind of aligns with tenderness in this way as an alternative to, like you said, self-loathing and shame. Well, it's also an alternative to like liking yourself or Mm. having self-esteem or like caring about yourself at all. Like you don't have to like anything about you. Yeah. You know, I spent a lot of years, like fruitless years, you know, like saying my mirror affirmations and like mm. doing therapy work and like trying to like myself. And oddly enough, um, like there was a part of my journey where learning how to be introspective was really important. Like learning how to understand why I was doing the things that I was doing because I was doing all sorts of weird destructive stuff and I didn't really understand it. And I, and I needed to understand that, but it almost like I almost like took it too far. Where like everything I did, I was like hyper analyzing and like, was that mm. right? Was that wrong? Was that selfish? Was that? And so like everything was about like figuring out where everything came from. And I, I thought, and, and I was frequently thinking about like how to do the right thing, how to do the good thing, how to do the moral thing, how to do the healthy thing, how to do the mature thing. And was that thing healthier? And I'm, I'm talking like I was analyzing thoughts for like whether they were mature or healthy or not. Mm. And. What I now realize as I look back is like, I was thinking about myself just as intensely as like, I was just as self-absorbed when I was trying to be like healthy and mature and right and kind as I was when all I was thinking about was like getting what I want, doing what I wanted and all these sort of things. Like, yes, it was more of a benevolent self-absorption, but like it didn't really... And, and listen, I, if I had to take one over the other, I would obviously take that one because then sure. I wasn't like dying of d- drug addiction and I had like good relationships, but it was really cool to move to like the next level of healing where it was like, Oh, I'm just not thinking about myself at all. Yeah. yeah. Like I could just think about, you know, I don't have to think about myself that much anymore. Um, and whether something was good, bad, right or wrong. And I'm not saying like, you know, I, I will obviously occasionally have someone say like, Hey, that hurt my feelings or like, Oh, I don't think you should have done that. Like, yeah, let me stop. Let me look at it. Let me address, you know, but when it comes to like all of those little thoughts and decisions and mistakes that like, I'm usually the one thinking about it far longer than the person that was even affected by it. Um, I just sort of learned to look back quickly and be like, yeah, it was fine. Or like, oh, maybe, maybe something different next time. And then just like move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this 
This kind of reminds me of the way you encourage people to think about keeping their houses clean. Like it's a morally neutral thing in the same way that these kinds of thoughts are like, it sounds like you're encouraging yourself and other people to think of them as neutral, like morally or otherwise. Right. Um, And I was wondering if we could kind of shift into talking about house stuff (laughs) Um, because this has been something that I, this has been an ongoing issue for me and my spouse. Um, Our house is not, it's, it's not, it's not dirty, but it's not clean. (laughs) Um, Isn't it, isn't it weird that there's no other words? mm Mm-hmm. Like as if those are the only two options mm-hmm. that a house has. Yes. Yes, totally. Um, and so I was hoping that you could kind of introduce our listeners who I, I know many of our listeners are familiar with you, but f- perhaps for those who are not, could you introduce our listeners to some of your kind of core beliefs about care tasks? Yes. So, I mean, the main belief that I always start with is this idea that care tasks are morally neutral. And so by care tasks, I mean cooking, cleaning, tidying, organizing, exercising, um, grocery shopping, taking your medication, you know, sleeping, any of those things, right? The things that you usually do in and around and about your house and your space. Um, and they are simply just things you do to care for yourself and sometimes your family. Um, and by morally neutral, I mean that the way you do them, how you do them, whether you do them, how good or bad you are at them has no material connection to who you are as a person, your character, your responsibility level, your maturity, whether or not you deserve to be loved or shamed. Um, And it's sort of that same thread of like, if you look at your house right now, or you think of your house right now, the, the like step number one is sort of like shifting to, to this idea that like, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like if your house is really clean right now, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. about your family. It doesn't mean anything about your house. Like it doesn't, it has no meaning. Mm-hmm. And if your house is really messy right now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything. And I think we get really caught up with like, oh, this means I'm in a bad place. This means that I'm good. This means that I'm responsible. This means I'm a good parent. This means that I'm, you know, never going to find anyone because look at how I live. And listen, I'm not saying like, surely I understand that there are people that will say sometimes my space and and whether it's functional or not um, is giving me information about how I'm doing. And it sort of prompts me to check mm. in with myself. Like, that's great. Your space can give you information. Um, but I find it really helpful to let go of believing that our space means anything about us. Mm-hmm. Um, because then we can just go, okay, so if it doesn't mean anything about, because a lot of us, the whole motivation we have for doing care tasks is because of what we think those things mean about us. Yeah. If I'm not clean, what does that mean about me? If I'm too messy, what does that mean about yeah. me? And if none of that means anything, then what is the motivation to do any of that? Mm. And you kind of come to this place of like the only motivation to unload and reload my dishwasher if a sink full of dishes doesn't mean anything about me is because I'm a, I, I would like to have clean dishes or because I'm sort of taking it one step further. Like I'm a person who deserves to have a clean plate to eat off of. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes less about the, the kind of the morality and the obligations and the expectations and the measuring sticks and more about just function. Like, does it function? And for many years, I functioned just fine with a sink full of dishes. Mm-hmm. So like it doesn't, a sink full of dishes doesn't mean anything about me. The question that I have to ask myself is like, is this working for me? Like, yeah. is this functional? Yeah. And if it's not functional, then you get to go, okay, but like, is it, is it so unfunctional that like, I really need to fix it today? Like, is this really like, is this the most unfunctional thing in my life? Does this really need to be priority? Or can this like wait for another season when I'm not so like overburdened with things? And, um, and so we, you can, you can write that off or you can go, no, it's really unfunctional. And it's like really affecting my day-to-day impact, like impacting my day-to-day functioning. Um, 
you know, I've got maggots or like I, I don't have clean dishes in the morning when my kids are hungry. I walk in every day and I tell, and I, you know, like all of this kind of stuff. And so I think that's where it's much more helpful to just look at your, like you don't exist to serve your space. Your space mm-hmm. exists to serve you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it also leads to us realizing how many arbitrary rules that we follow when we do care tasks. And like, maybe it's okay to break all those rules if something is mm-hmm. easier for you. Like I am all about making care tasks as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash forever35. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have, love it do they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office I'm looking at a picture of my in- children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also, then you're not taking up your email storage. So, win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not 
what I needed in my 20s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos and like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to forever35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. No. With honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep mm. you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Okay, we're back. You, you talking about not putting laundry away <clears throat> was like revelatory to me. Even though I, I, it's, I, this is, it's been helpful reading your work and following you and also like learning more about myself and my own neurodivergency and all these things. But like, it was just like, I, I, I read that and I, it was like, oh, that's an option. Oh, cause that does mm. work really well. Like for one of my kids, especially like, that's how she lit like that system. <laughs> she made that system and that works. And I'm always like, put your clothes away. Why? I don't know, because that doesn't work for me either. So it's just, it's so freeing for to think about the things that we have been taught as not okay are actually systems that do work for us. And breaking out of those narratives is incredibly, it's scary, but it's also incredibly freeing. Absolutely. I actually recently like upgraded my whole closet system. So those of you who don't follow me, the I have a no fold laundry system. So I don't fold anything. I hang shirts that belong to me and my husband. And then everything else goes into baskets. So I have like a basket of my shorts, a basket of my pants, a basket of my kids shirts, a basket of their shorts, a basket of their pants. Like, so it's, it's really separated out. So it's easy to find everything. Um, things don't really wrinkle when there's just like a few items in a basket. Right. And, um, so 
that helped me for a long time. We just moved into a house and we're still kind of doing, and we do a family closet. So like everybody's clothes are all in the same closet. At the new house, it's me and my kids. We have one closet together because I'm usually like in there, they're, they're three and five. Like I'm still helping everyone get dressed. And because I'm the one that puts away the laundry and I don't want to go to different closets to do that. I want to go to one place. I want to be able to put everything away without bending down and standing up and bending down and standing up and bending down and standing up. So I recently purchased a rolling garage stool that lives in my closet because I have hardwood Mm -hmm. floors so that as I'm taking... And then I also... We have like this little... um, Like this tiny little ottoman that like the top comes off. And I brought that in there so that I could put something on it so that it was the right height for me to reach into the basket when I'm sitting on my stool. And then I just wheel around. Like I just wheel around the closet, putting everything away. Um, so I don't have to like sit, stand, sit, stand, because I realized that I was avoiding putting the laundry away, even when I don't fold it. And then I really like stopped and was like, why? Get very precise, Casey. Why? What is the element that you find yourself procrastinating, resisting, dreading? And I was like, it's the up and down. And see, old me would have been like, not even to give myself permission to ask, because it would have been like, you're supposed to do this. You know, just do it. Like, what kind of person, you know, Mm. or and if I did ask, I'd be like, okay, you lazy SOB. Like, go in there. Who cares? (laughs) Get some exercise. I don't do that anymore. Um, I go how can I make this easier? And then I make it easier. And then I go, Ooh, but how can I make it even easier? How can I make it even easier than this? Like, I just never stop asking that question when it comes to care tasks. And so now, um, you know, you wash it, you dry it, you put the, bring the whole thing into the laundry room. I mean, the closet, and you put it up on its little ottoman and you just wheel around listening to a podcast. And all of a sudden, like this, task that I used to dread so much that I would put it off and then we wouldn't have enough clean clothes is something I don't even mind doing anymore because I addressed all these like little pain points. Um, And it's a pretty big deal when you start giving yourself permission to do that though. Mm. Sorry. Giving giving uh, yourself permission to do things that you've been kind of socialized your whole life not to do is is challenging um kate do you want to get to some of the questions that our listeners had yes okay we've got so many uh questions that we have and also some from listeners um Someone wrote, please tell her I love her and then ask about her fridge organization. How do we stop letting things die? (laughs) Okay, so here's something that I started doing that I think is really helpful. Um, So I often joke that like if I designed refrigerators, they'd be six feet wide and like six inches deep. Mm. Um, Like I want front row only. Like if I put something behind something, it's dead to me in the fridge. And God help it if I put it in a drawer, like the amount of like bags of cucumber soup that I've pulled out of like a produce drawer could feed an army and then they'd all die because it's disgusting. So um, I realized that my the door of my fridge had all of this like front row real estate mm-hmm. and I was putting sauces and condiments in the door, which I think most people do. But what I realized is like when it came to specifically produce, like I will eat it if I see it. Like if, I, if I'm hungry, I open it. Like, oh, carrots. Yeah, I like carrot. Uh, but I am never going to be somebody who's like sitting on the couch being like, you know what I could go for right now? Some delicious carrots. Carrots. They'll never be me. Like I just remembered I have carrots and I'm going to go look for them. Mm. Couldn't be me. So, but if I open it and I saw it, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, why not? So... I realized that when I'm having a meal, though, I do think to myself, you know what could go with this meal? Some soy sauce. And I'll go look for it. Mm. So I don't need to be like visually reminded about the existence of my soy sauce. But I do need to be visually reminded about the existence of my carrots. So I started putting all of my condiments into the drawers. Just like on their sides, like messy in there. And started putting all of the produce in the door. Um, I did that for a long time. I've recently gotten even like some containers. So they're not necessarily in the door, but I still do the same thing where like I put all of the condiments in the drawers and I use the door for like extra 
space to put like front row items because I try not to stack items behind other items. Mm-hmm. This is so smart. It reminds me of something I heard you say in your podcast about how like as aggravating as often like home influencers are, you often can find like clear containers are actually very helpful <laughs> in organizing. I know I've been doing that in my fridge of like, we slice everything up and put them into these clear organizers and then they're just right here. So we, like you said, we aren't having cucumber soup, which is a, a literal thing that's happened in our fridge as well. Um, I, I love that. That's so much. Yeah. I mean, when things are presented in that sort of like aspirational lifestyle feel first, like so long, it's like you go from like buying in and trying everything. And then you realize like, Oh, this is silly. And then you end up like rejecting everything out of hand that has that like hue to it. So when I first, cause I would watch a lot of TikToks about like restocks and I was like, I will oh never gosh. be this person, mm-hmm. even Those though it's satisfying to watch. But then I started actually using clear containers. So I am one of those people that decants everything before it goes into the, the, uh, pantry. And there was, but there was a, I've tried to do that before and it didn't stick. And I realized it's because every time I've tried to do it before, it wasn't about like, how does this bring function to my life? It was about like, I just want to be the kind of person that has an organized pantry. I want to be that kind of person. That kind of person seems responsible. Like that kind of person seems like they have their life together. Mm. And so I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like that was the enjoyment of it was like, "Mm, I feel like I've really got it together now. And so I didn't, then I didn't do it for a long time. And when I started doing it again, I actually had this motivation of like, this makes my life easier. I I, I remember what I have. I eat at home more often. I can see when something's running out. I um, don't feel as much like, oh, there's nothing to eat because I can see everything. My kids can help pick out things. Um, things don't go bad. Like when I, when the enjoyment of a task or a system is purely the functional, like upgrade quality of life it brings to me, that I have found is intrinsically much more motivating than just, oh, this looks pretty or like, oh, now I feel like yes. I'm being a good mom or like, oh, now I'm, now I'm that kind of person. Um, we, we got a question from a listener that was actually kind of related to a question that I had. Um, I am neurotypical. My spouse has ADHD and, um, one of our listeners asked, how do I support slash fairly share tasks with housemates with ADHD? And I, my question is like kind of, he is my housemate. He is also my husband. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if you have thoughts or advice um, for those of us who are not neurodivergent, but live with someone neurodivergent. Yeah, sure. So I, I find, so these will be generalizations, not universalisms, right? Like not everybody's exactly the same, but in general, people with ADHD have poor working memory mm. and we do better with yes. visual lists. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So, this is so validating to hear just <laughs> selfishly, but thank you. So for like months and months and months, I do this thing called closing duties where I have like four or five things that I do in my kitchen every night. I would for like, I'm talking months, like maybe at least nine months. In the middle of that list, I would have to stop and reference the list, even though it was the same five things every night. Mm-hmm. Couldn't remember. Um, and so visual lists are really helpful. Um, the other thing I find helpful is there's this weird thing that I refer to as the flow, which is like when it comes to like energy and motivation and task initiate and like drive to do things. I feel like I have this big like energetic river and it just like flows where it wants to flow. And so like, I actually am like a super productive individual. Like I crush getting things done. But the issue with ADHD is not that you can't pay attention. It's that you can't really regulate your attention. So I will get something done and not get other things done that were probably more important that like had deadlines. Yes. Right. Like I'll go organize a pantry for three hours um, and walk by a moldy coffee cup multiple times. And the amount of times that I have tried to like, you know, make myself a person that can do these like odd one-off tasks, like as I see them, 
And I just don't. And so I had to learn like, okay, how can I make this like energetic river of like drive to do things like go over this moldy coffee cup? Like, how can I like dam the river and like, you know, shift the river and like make it flow over that thing? And so I find that like taking those little, first of all, if you can help it, like don't assign those little one-off tasks to people with ADHD. Um, We hate them. They make us want to die. And so, but like at one point I made myself um, like Tuesdays were restock day. And so like, I would rather die than take my coffee cup downstairs after I get done with this, but give me a clipboard and a list and Tuesday nights is restock day. Like I will restock everything in the house, like Mm. check, get all the cups, check, put all the toilet paper. Right. And so, um, bundling those things together is really helpful for me. Oh yeah. This is very interesting. Uh, And what you said about the river pinged for me because my husband has what he calls his window. And he'll just be like, I'm gonna like clean up the living like I'm just giving an example. Okay, I'm cleaning up the living room now. Help me clean up the living room or whatever. And I'm like, I don't feel like cleaning up the living room. No, if the window closes, we we can't do it. He's like, this is my window. Like (laughs) this is my window right now. This is what I feel like doing. And I'm like but I was going to read something. Can't we do it later? And he's like, no. <laughs> and like, he's like, we'll miss the window. And I'm like, what is the window? Like, I just didn't get it for the longest time. And yep. I've been like getting it more. And it's also, I, I sometimes struggle with like resenting that, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, it's like, okay, well, you have the window, but I don't have the window. And like, can yeah, we frankly, talk about- you shouldn't have to work in his window. He right. can work in his own like, can window. Can we talk about a mutually like beneficial yeah. window? But like, it doesn't work that way. So it, yeah, like, right. So I shouldn't have to work in his window, but I I also want to like accommodate his window. You know, it's complicated. Mm, sure. Yeah, I think the other thing is like I I find that I'm most successful when I can make tasks like into as few steps as possible. Mm. Um, so like, for example, when I want to like reset my house, like I try to do this like once a weekend, I usually do that for me includes like picking up all the trash off the floor, um, throwing all the trash away, like, like basically like picking everything up off the floor. And I have like, um, a system so I pick up all the trash first and then I pick up all of the laundry and then I pick up all of the dishes and then mm-hmm. I put away all the things that have a place and I put away all the things that don't have a place. And, but e- so that helps. But the thing is, is that again, with the bending, the bending and the moving. <laughs> so ADHD, we know that, that we're not exactly sure what's happening in the brain, but we know it has to do with the regulation of dopamine. And so like any way that you can remove like small pain points makes it a lot easier to like move towards that task. So in order to try and make this like a flow, right. And not yeah. feel like all these disjointed weird steps. I got this like giant commercial size laundry hamper on wheels. And then I cut a piece of cardboard to cover half of it. And I put two laundry baskets on the top. And then I cut like a little plastic shoe hanger and attached it with some shower curtain rings where I put like the duster and the whatever and the whatever, all that stuff in there. And then I bought myself a grabber oh. and a, and then a dust buster that and the dust buster sticks on the platform oh. in the middle. So I have this like little homemade, almost like housekeeping cart for my own house. And I put in a podcast that I want to listen to. And I wheel around my house with my grabber and I pick up the trash and I put it into one of the bins and I pick up the clothes and I put it into the bin and I pick up the toys and I put it into the bin and I see some crumbs and I zip them up. And so um that works for me. Like it's really hard for me as someone with ADHD to do things when I'm doing something else. So like if I'm on the way to do something and I... I either am not going to notice something out of place or if I do notice it, like I can't stop to do it because if I do, I'll forget what I was doing. So it's much easier for me. So like, and that's, there's a lot of executive functioning issues that go into ADHD and problems with what's referred to as attention shifting. Mm. Um, you might be able to be going to get a bandaid for your kid, see a cup, pick the cup up or see, see the cup, remember the cups there and come back for it. 
Um, but those two options, right, which is grab the cup on the way or just wait and come back, both of those utilize parts of executive functioning that are really compromised in ADHD. The first is attention shifting, which is I was already, I'd already thought about, planned, designed a motor plan and initiated going to get this band aid. And now I need to incorporate shifting my attention to this, thinking about where it needs to go, designing another motor plan to reach down and grab it and integrate that into what was existing, sort of the steps of what I was doing. Hmm. But the other one is requires working memory, which is okay, I'll do that as soon as I'm finished with this. But for me, I will have forgotten that I saw anything by the time I finished getting the Band-Aid. And if I stop to do the thing, I get that. Anyways, so um, those are not great tasks to put like an ADHD person in charge of. Um, it's not as helpful for someone to say to me, I just want you to pick up after yourself. Mm-hmm. It's much more helpful for someone to say like, you know, once a day, can you go around and pick up the clothes? Oh, for me, it's like once a week, I reset everything. Because if I can like make that what my attention is on, especially if I have like a good podcast, that's much easier. Anyways, I don't know if that's helpful. That's I forget helpful. we're answering multiple questions and I just oh, start talking. So so helpful. <laughs> <clears throat> it's also it's helpful in, for me as the ADHD person and understanding myself better because I do f- I feel like I you know I I've always known there was this thing with me but never known what it was. And then like really understanding and getting an ADHD diagnosis as an adult, et cetera, et cetera. I know, you know, it's like so f- clarifying. It's like finally the, the everything makes sense as to, and I, I don't remember where I was going with this, but yeah, it's very validating. And I, I love you mentioned you kind of, uh, you're talking about the way you do the five things tidying method for our listeners who, who just have never heard of it. Can you just tell folks what those five things are? You mentioned them in in passing just now, but just to really hit it on the head. Right. So I take a room or maybe a a couple of rooms or a space and I go down the list and I go around with a trash bag in my hand and I pick up all of the trash I can find and put it directly into the bag, tie off the bag and leave it there. And then I get a laundry basket and I go all around the room, put all the laundry in there, put it down, leave it there. Um, I go around and get all the dishes and I take them to the sink and I leave them there. And then I like pick a little corner and go like counterclockwise and I put everything away that has like a home and anything that doesn't have a space. I just like make a pile in the middle of the room. And so once everything is put away that has a home, now I have this pile of things that like don't have a home that need to be maybe purged, maybe given to someone or maybe like organized and found permanent homes. Um, and that I can do like with a Netflix show on or something like that. So that's, that's what I do. And then I can go back and like throw the trash away into the dumpster and start the dishwasher, um, and, you know, start the laundry. So helpful. So helpful because I, I do the thing that you talk about where it's like, I bring the dish to the sink and then I'm like, I got to do the dishes. And then I forget every, and then everything is just left. Yeah. Yeah. It it helps you from getting distracted. The other thing I'll say is like, not everybody has the resources or the budget to be able to outsource care tasks, but there is like this really big Venn diagram of people that do have the resources and just like, aren't letting themselves because they feel like that's not justified. Mm. Um. And I like to say, like, if you have a partner that's ADHD or you are ADHD, like, you have a disability. And these things are legitimately harder for you. And if you have the resources to, for example, like, send your laundry out to a wash and fold, even if it's, you know, a couple times a month, or you have the resources to get your groceries delivered, or you have the resources to have someone come in once a quarter and do the deep cleaning, like, it's okay to allow yourself to do that. There's not like some arbitrary like level of importance something has to be to justify like you just getting to make the decision that like you want to do that. Yes, Ooh. chapter chapter 36 outsour- outsourcing care tasks mm-hmm. is morally neutral. Mm-hmm. So, we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, we are back. We got another question about your... TikTok. Um, someone is wondering the comment section on your TikToks can be wild. How do you deal with it? Yeah, they can be wild. Um, so sometimes I just really get my feelings hurt. Yeah, <laughs> frankly, um, there comes a time, especially like if I have a really viral video. And you, you can see in like the, the feed of comments, like when it starts to turn mm. and, and you reach this critical mass of, you know, this has now got, and so the TikTok algorithm is weird and then it pushes it to like the people that follow you, know you, or people that would be in various demographics that are familiar with the type right. of topics. And I, you can actually pinpoint the moment down to the hour. When a viral video moves beyond those concentric mm-hmm. circles and just starts to hit random FYPs, because the comments will turn into the most vicious, mean comments that you've ever heard. Um, and oftentimes I have to make the decision to turn the comment section off. Yeah. Because like it's just not healthy to be like pelted with that kind of insult over and over and over. Um, there's often time like there are frequently times where somebody says something that's like extremely uh like one of the isms or ists like racist, homophobic, transphobic that I have to like delete the comment altogether because I just don't want people to see that. What's harder is that there's often times where somebody says something where it's like, "Ah, that's not like the right way to think about that." Yeah. But then you also it's like like, where do you stop though? Like at some point, well, right. it's like, that's that person. They think that. And like, it might be like a shitty thing to think, but it's not like, it's not really like hitting the ists, isms, like stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, like, uh, or, or like, oh, I disagree with that, but it's like, well, like, I mean, they get to say it, I guess. Well, you know it's what I mean? also so like labor hard. for you yeah. to be like constantly monitoring your comment section and responding to comments. Like that is a lot of work and a lot of time. So... <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> are there are there particular topics that you feel like kind of turn or is it or does it seem sort of random? Yeah, for sure. Anything about the patriarchy always turns if it goes viral. Yeah. Because the yeah. patriarchy. It's funny though because like it'll always be some video about how like men don't like women. They just get socialized to be sexually attracted to them. Or it'll be like, you know, men don't see women as real human beings with complex thoughts and feelings. It'll be some commentary like that about the patriarchy. And um, it'll get into the hands of men outside of like the ones that like would listen to that and be like, hmm, what an interesting thing about the patriarchy that maybe I'll reflect upon. And their response to it is like, do y'all cuss on this podcast? Yeah. Their response will be like... It's not true that men don't like women, you fat fucking bitch. I'll be like, hmm, methinks you doth protest too much. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, yep. we don't see women just as sexual objects. And I don't know, I don't even know how, why you could speak on this because who would want to fuck you? And it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. do you guys mm-hmm. not see yourselves? Right. Like, yeah. they literally prove my point yeah. in the comments yeah. um, by being just like wildly misogynistic. And, um, and it's not, listen, a lot of men follow me and I follow a lot of men. And it's like never, it's never like men who are, you know, are like, yeah, man, I've been like unpacking my, you know, privilege and things like that. It's always just like random, random, yeah, randos, right? So that those always turn. Um, I often find that I, I try really hard to address when I see racism and homophobia and transphobia and misogyny and those sort of things. Sometimes what happens is that that will like the call will be coming from inside the house. Like it won't be like some random right wing person. It'll be like someone who aligns with me on lots of different issues. Um, that will say like they will then weaponize their marginalization as like you can't call me out. I have this disability or that Mm. disability or, um, you know, you, like that kind of thing, right? And so then it becomes weird because it's like, uh, I, but I can, um, you know, and so that's always hard because then yeah. it, it can often like snowball into like Casey Davis being, you know, an ableist. And it's like, well, let's right. back up for a second. <laughs> right. Um, right. So those are sometimes hard when you have to like address those kind of nuances. Can I, on that topic, can I share a listener question? They asked, Mm -hmm. um, how do us neurodivergent folks do do struggle care in capitalism and white supremacy culture? Mm. Well, a lot of, I think understanding like a lot of the roots for where we get the messages we do about perfectionism in care Mm -hmm. tasks come from a white supremacist culture. They come Mm -hmm. from the patriarchy. Um, they come from the idea that like women are supposed to cook and clean and stay in the kitchen. Um, but they also come from like a great deal of racism in our country because when the aristocracy from England moved over, you know, they don't do their own care tasks. They enslaved people to do their care tasks. And so the image of a beautiful, thin white woman with perfectly coiffed hair and, you know, looking nice and put together and clean, standing in a sparkling clean living room is a status symbol. The ease at which we perform care tasks is a status symbol. And I, I learned all this from Danita Platt, who is amazing. You can follow her at Danita Platt on um, TikTok. Platt has two T's. And she talks about care tasks, and, but she's a black woman. And so she talks about the history of care tasks and how that comes into play. And so, you know, follow that down the line. And even after slavery has ended, we continue to exploit black and brown people and, and primarily women to do care tasks for us. And it wasn't really until civil rights movement and a lot of labor rights things where, and then the wealth gap of capitalism creates this wealth gap that we're now in where all of a sudden for the first time in our history, poor and even most middle-class families cannot afford to hire domestic help, right? We are still required to, you know, get married and have all the kids and go get the career and, and be the perfect mom. So we still have the standards that were levied at our great great grandparents who had a whole staff. Even if you had poor great grandparents, like ask them. Most of them still at some point were able to hire someone to help. Uh, so we still have those standards, but we don't have any of that help and we're crushed under it. And, um, so I think it starts with kind of the recognition of where that comes from. And that rejecting those, that perfectionism, rejecting that, um, stuff is in and of itself like the beginning of your activism. It cannot be the end of it, but it can be the beginning of it. I mean, I, I, I want to keep you here for five hours. I want to stay for five hours. Um, but How does not. that sound? No, <laughs> I can't. No, that wasn't part of the uh, agreement. Um, <laughs> but could we? Uh, I, I think that's just, you give us so much to think about. And 
I cannot tell you how grateful I am for your work. It, it just means a lot. Um, so thank you. Yeah. It's so um, invaluable. Yeah. And yeah, especially, you know, anyway, I could go on and on. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> well, to sell, sell my role. The little like cherry on top of that, I think is I'm, I'm going to assume a white person asked that question. And what has been really beneficial to me is to ask myself, like, why am I asking that question? Mm. Because there's a big difference between like, how can I care for myself and my family and engage in black liberation versus how can I make sure that I'm not participating in white supremacy so that I can maintain my feel good feelings about being a good white person? Like, how do I make all the right decisions so that I can be one of the good ones? Um, and then I just get caught up. But like, that is white supremacy. It's like, how can I continue to be perfect? How can I continue to do all the right things? It's because I'm too scared of someone telling me that I'm doing something problematic. It's like, and that really centers me and me and like nice white liberal moms, right? Like, as opposed to how can I make room in my life? to contribute to the liberation of black people, brown people, queer people, trans people, like, like there's some way that I can materially do that. And it might be in a very, 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 very small way, but like, that's more important. Like finding room in your life to do something. Mm. I, I think if I'm understanding correctly, like what I've been listening to from the black people that actually talk about this, like that's more important than thinking about like, how can I take on these huge systems and like make my life so that I'm never participating in these systems? Cause like, that's impossible. That's the whole point. Like it's so locked in. Right. Uh, well, I, it, this has given me a lot to think about. Um, and for everyone who doesn't follow Casey on TikTok, please follow her and get her book, watch her Ted talk. It's there's, there's just, I've already learned so much from you and I so appreciate your work. So thank you for coming on our show. Um, like we this. mentioned your TikTok, we mentioned your book, but where can our listeners find you um, if they want to follow your work? So I'm on TikTok as Domestic Blisters. I'm in, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Struggle Care. Um, and I have, my website is strugglecare.com. So if you go there, like you can pretty much get to everything. My podcast is named Struggle oh, yeah, Care, podcast. which you can yeah. get through the website. My book is called How to Keep House While Drowning, which you can get th through to the website. I've got lots of downloads and printables and things like that. I have an online course on how to clean your depression house. Um, my TED talk is linked there. Like really everything's on the website. If you just kind of want to go to one central place. I think that was how I first initially encountered you was I bought one of your downloads. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't remember. Someone must have mentioned you and, and I was like, I need this. So, um, <laughs> and <laughs> just all kind of snowballed from there. So, um, well, thank you again. This was such a delight to get to talk to you and thank you. Again, we really appreciate it. Ah, uh, Dory. Yes, Kate. I have learned a lot. Sometimes there are times where I feel like I think I know everything about a topic. Or like, I know everything that I'm going to ever be able to know about how I, Kate Spencer, can stay on top of things. And mm. then I realize I know nothing at all. And that was, I feel like I, I learned so much in our conversation with Casey and after reading her book. Mm-hmm. And one thing that has been helpful is using my time timer. I've busted out my time timer again. Ooh, we love a time timer. So if you're not familiar with time timers, they are visual clocks that you can set up to an hour or up to 60 minutes. And they visually show via color the time ticking away. So for some of us who, if you say, hey, we have 30 minutes until we have to leave the house, for some people, that registers. And for other people, it doesn't. And a visual reminder is really helpful. So in the mornings, my daughter and I have been using our really big time timer. It's like the extra large size. Mm. So that we know at like 745, we're going to give ourselves 30 minutes and we have to walk out of the house at 815. And it, I think it helps both of us. That's great. 
Yeah, it's really a powerful tool. I love that. So if you aren't time timing, I highly recommend it. Um, Dory, can I share an anecdote from our personal lives? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so your intention last week was your mammogram. Yes. And we were texting and I was like, blah, 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 look at this document. And you were like, I'm I'm in my mammogram. So you did it. I you did do it. it off. I did do it. I did check it off. Um, and actually, this week, my intention is to make uh, a couple of other doctor's appointments that I have just not made. Um, so going to try and get those. Just get those set. You know, well done, my friend. Well done. Thank you. How about you, Kate? How did how did cold care go? Cold care has been a challenge just because it's been an extremely hectic week this week um, with some stuff that is going on at my kid's school for which I'm volunteering, which has been amazing, but it's like not the best in terms of like laying low and not talking and resting and that sort of thing. But yeah, I am making a point to just like drink a ton of liquids, make sure I'm going to sleep, taking a NyQuil if I need it. And just doing as little as I possibly can. Like I'm not trying, I'm not piling things onto my plate right now. That's great. So for this coming week, my intention is patience Mm. with myself, with my family, with my dear, dear dad, who I love so much, who's visiting and me putting a lot of expectations on myself for having like the house be organized and the house be clean and like... I, I get I get t- kind of um, high intensity when I'm stressed, and I want to have and, and then I lose my patience with others, and so I want to make sure I have patience with those around me and also with myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to have my dad and stepmom visiting. Oh my gosh, I talked to my dad yesterday, and he did an imitation of us. Of us? Yeah, he was like, I love on the podcast where like. You'll say something, you'll tell Dory, and Dory just goes, mmm. And then you'll say something else. And yes. And then, and he he was like, and then Dory tells you something, and you go, I love that. Like he was doing a full on. Oh (laughs) my God. I guess he's been listening to the pod. That's amazing. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that is amazing. It was really funny. And I mean, and my stepmom also listens to the podcast, which is so sweet. And I just like so sweet. It's so awesome. And I I know. Uh, So that really was cracking me up. It was really making me laugh. He really has our number, as they say. I mean, look, he begat you. So he obviously gets it on some level. Yeah, I'm like, half of this is from is your fault, my old man. <laughs> you know? You wonder why I'm talking about my anxiety so much? Oh, God. <laughs> Genetics. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, Kate, um, this has been great. This has been fun. Let's tell the listeners about our show. Okay. Forever 35 is hosted and produced by you and me, Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer, and it's produced and edited by the one and only Sam Junio. The fantastic Sammy Reed is our project manager, and our network partner is the awesome ACAST. Bye, everyone. <laughs>